Watching that drama sketch, that, uh, that was actually a sketch that we did uh, back at our church in Michigan, Kensington, after we did a series on uh, the fact that men need respect and women need love, and our drama team wrote that and performed that, um, you know, and, that, and it's on that, our video that we had. And, you know, it's really interesting, you, as you watch that, you know, it's just sitting there, I've seen this several times now, um, you're watching the real pain of relationships and the beauty as well. Because life's hard, but relationships are really hard. <laughs> I mean, we've had a great time the last you know, day and a half, Friday night and yesterday, talking about uh, relationships. And like Dave said, we've laughed and enjoyed it. And, um, but when you go back out of this place, and in a few minutes we'll leave here as well, and you go back into life, you, you hit reality right in the face. I mean, it's just like, bam! And... Uh, I, I'm even guessing that some of the couples that were here, you know, the last couple of days walk out of here last night thinking, all right, baby, we've had great time. We've learned some stuff. We're going to just soar through this thing. And maybe that's reality because you walk out and you don't know what's, what's going to hit you. I mean, it, it's that life hits you right in the face. Um, years ago, Ann and I were driving um, on a short little trip in our minivan. How many people got a minivan? All right, way to go. Um, we've had like seven or eight minivans. Um, and our boys were little at the time. Now they're 23, 20, and 18. But this is when they were really small. I'm guessing two of them were still in car seats. And I'm driving, and we're, we're going on a trip. And uh, I don't know if you guys are like me, but I'm the kind of guy that I don't like the getting there. I want to get there. And so I don't want to stop. I just want to go. Anybody like me? As fast as you can go, you know, there's a, like a, a meter going on in my head. How, how fast can we make this trip? So when we traveled, uh, I like to drive because whoever's driving doesn't have to deal with the kids. You know, when they're little, there's stuff going on. But I, on this particular trip, I got real sleepy, and I, and I turned to Ann, and I said, you want to drive? And I said yes, because it used to be that we would share all the driving, and suddenly when we have kids, Dave's great. He's like, <laughs> good to go all the time. And now she knows and why. And the reason um, he said that he was sleepy is because all the kids were sleeping. <laughs> and so he was thinking, okay, this will be a good time. And she's right. I'm busted. But um, <laughs> um, so we did. We pulled over. We switched seats. And I tilted back the seat. And they were. They're all ne- taking a nap. And I'm like, I am so sleepy. I'm going to fall right asleep. And we take off. And literally 30 seconds after I put my seat back, Austin, who was, what, four, three years old? He was probably three. He, he says, I got to go potty. Yeah, I got to go potty. And so I found great delight in saying, honey, Austin has to go to the bathroom. Now, here's how we did it. And you're going to think this is crazy, and it is crazy, but we're not stopping. We have boys. This is easy. So (laughs) we used to carry, we don't do it anymore, we used to carry a Maxwell House coffee can. You know, the big one with the little rubber lid on the top. Anybody do that? You're as crazy as they we are. They won't admit it. Oh, uh, yeah, you won't admit it. This is the dumbest idea in the world. But, yeah, we just, you know, throw it back there and we're done. Well, you know, Ann's like, Dave. And I'm like, oh. So I wake up and I take the lid off and I turn around and Austin had to go so bad. I am not exaggerating in the least. I turn and he just starts spraying. Boom. <laughs> and I'm like, woo. I mean, he hit me right in the forehead before I caught the rest of it. And... We almost wrecked, because that's what she was doing. She was like, <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, it was crazy. Now, you still think that's funny. I think that's why I'm bald, actually. Um, um, but, I mean, but let me, ta- let me ask you, isn't that real life? I know what you're thinking. You're like, if you're an idiot, that's real life. <laughs> 
for smart people, that's not real life. But I mean, stuff like that and worse happens in real life. And, and here's the moral. You never know what's going to hit you. <laughs> Hopefully it's not as bad as that. But um, life is like that. It's out of control. Things you don't even see coming, bam, and you're like, whoa. And all we're going to do today is talk about that aspect in terms of relationships. Because one of the areas that's really, really hard, as we just saw in that sketch, because that sketch was not that far from what happens Reality. in a lot of our family homes. Family rooms. That's happened in our family room. Mm-hmm. Different situation, different, you know, fill in the blank situation, but we've yelled like that. We've felt that. I've felt disrespected. She hasn't felt loved. And so that's real. So here's what we're going to do today. I don't know. Do you take notes here? All right. If you're going to take some notes, just a couple thoughts. Um, and it's really, as Dave said, it's sort of the, the, the wrap up of what we've been talking about the last day and a half. And if you want to get that, can they get that? Or whatever, you can get our DVD, it's out there, and it's the same thing on a, on a DVD. But um, this is sort of the perspective that it, it, it sort of surrounds the whole thing. Here's the thing you need to know about life, and here's the thing we need to know about relationship. Point number one, we are in a war. We are in a war. And I'm not talking about Iraq. I'm not talking about bullets flying. I'm talking about something that most people don't even consider or when they think about it, they're like, ah, I don't even know if that's true. What I'm talking about is there is a war going on that's unseen. It's invisible. There's more going on in this life than meets the eye. And it applies to relationships and it applies to life. It's called spiritual warfare. In fact, one of the first times I ever sort of got a glimpse of that was when I was in high school. Um, my mom forbid me to go see a movie. And I'm like, I'm seeing this movie. It was the 70s. It just come out. It was, you know, everybody's talking about it. So I got my buddy Bob Lambert, and we sort of didn't tell our parents, and we went to this movie. Anybody know what that movie is? It was called The Exorcist. How many saw that movie? Bad idea. Uh... Kids, listen to your parents. They know what they're talking about. <laughs> my mom was right. And I you saw it then. Have... I was 12. You were 12? You my saw it? My brother took me. Oh, I was like 16 or something. No, I must have been 15 if you were 12. Okay. Um, so I went to this thing, and, you know, I, I can still, I close my eyes and see Linda Blair's head spinning around and pea soup spitting out because she was possessed by demons, and the priest was trying to exercise these demons. You know, at, at, at that point in my life, that stuff was like, doo 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 doo, you're kidding me. Come on. You know, nice story, but it doesn't happen. Well, Bob Lambert and I went home, and I slept over at his house that night, and we found a Bible. In his house. I don't know where. I'd never really read it. I mean, I'd gone to church and been in Sunday school, but I'd never really opened Bible. And we're like, is that stuff in here? And so we're like flipping through. You know, we don't know. We just go to the book of Revelation. You know, that's a scary one. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, and we, and we found stuff in there about demons and, you know, stuff going on that you can't see that's real. And we're like, whoa. And I mean, we literally went like this. We threw the book on the bed. We're like, okay, let's go to sleep. Of course, we couldn't sleep. We just laid there all night like, you know. You know, there's stuff going on. And, you know, it's really interesting. I'm just going to show you one passage that's going to come up here. And if you want to jot this down, go home and, and read this passage. But Ephesians 6, we didn't actually read it that night, but it's in there. And it says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, just stop for a second. What is that talking about? This is a book in the New Testament the Apostle Paul, as many of you know him, or Paul, who's a follower of Christ, is writing, inspired by God, to talk about realities of life that we don't even know about. And he says, put that back up there, Amy. He says, 
I like that. I have control even over K2. Um, <laughs> he, says, he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. What's that mean? It's not against people. It's not against human beings. The struggle in your relationship, the struggle in your marriage, the struggle in life, in your job, is not against a person. We may think it is. We may think when you're married that my mate or my spouse is my enemy. And a lot of us walk in here today, and we don't say that out loud, but inside we're thinking, yeah, she's the enemy. He says, no, no, no. It's not your spouse. It's not your boss. It's not your neighbor. It's not the idiot in the car in front of you going too slow. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Trust me, there's not enough time to talk about this whole spiritual warfare thing. But I don't know if you ever saw the the movie Matrix. And you remember the blue pill and the red pill? And Morpheus sort of says to Neo, he says, you can take this pill and life will just go on like it is and you just live your life and everything's just going to be just like it was. Or you can take, I don't, I don't remember which color, the red pill or the blue, the red. He says, you take the red pill and your eyes will be opened to the reality of what's really going on. It was a glimpse in a movie of what's true in life. Now, there's no red pill. There's truth. And I've just given you a piece of it from Scripture that says, guess what? There's something going on here behind a visible veil that one day we will see into the spiritual realm, but it's real. All you got to do is watch the nightly news and try to explain the evil. It's not just people. There's some force, authority, power that is at work and is trying to destroy everything you and I are about. In fact, you can jot down this passage, but in John 10.10, a passage that many people have heard, but often we only hear the second half of this verse. Jesus said these words. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Often we hear Jesus say, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That if you want to find a full life, you can find it in and through Jesus Christ. But we often don't realize what he's saying. The thief, he gives him a name, by the way. His name is Satan, the devil, Beelzebub. Disney has him in every movie. (laughs) He's real. And he says, he comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. He has a plan for your marriage, and it would be to destroy it. He has a plan for your life, it would be to kill it. Now, I know, when you start talking about Satan and the devil, there's, there's really two extremes. Some people see the devil everywhere, he's doing everything, and some people don't think he exists at all. Guess what? Both those extremes are wrong. I mean, some people think he's everywhere. It's like if their lawnmower won't start, they're like casting out demons. You know, start the lawnmower. It's the devil. I mean, I don't think it's that, but you know, a lot of people, and this is where I usually err, he's doing nothing. He's not even real. There's no real spiritual warfare going on. There's nothing there. Guess what? Somewhere in the middle is the truth. I believe, because scripture teaches it, he is alive and well, and that the thing called marriage is on the 50-yard line of a war between God's plan for marriage, oneness, and glorifying God, and Satan's plan for oneness, divorce and destroying it. And we live right in the middle. I think that the first time that Dave and I heard that, our eyes were opened for the first time to think, wow. Sometimes when you're in the midst of the battle, you really do think, he is my enemy, and I am going to use all the weapons I have to destroy him. And you do. (laughs) She's pretty good. And it can be our verbal... Our verbal words, it can be the looks we give, it could be what we're doing in our spare time. It's just, we don't want to have anything to do with them. And the first time we heard that, I think that we were amazed to think that we have a common enemy, and his name is Satan, and it is our job to be together to combat him. Yeah, when we were, uh, two weeks before we got married, we went to a marriage conference. 
uh, that we actually now speak for. And one of the things they taught at that marriage conference was this concept out of Ephesians 6, and they said this. And in fact, they had us do this. We won't do this for sake of time. But they said, turn to your, your spouse and say, you are not my enemy. And they taught us that when you're in a conflict in marriage, remember there's more going on than meets the eye. It isn't just flesh and blood. You've got some things, obviously, you've got to work out. But there's, an, there's one attacking you. It's like we're in a foxhole, and he's attacking, and we're fighting each other. He's like laughing, like, yeah, this is hard. They don't even realize I'm the enemy. So um, three or four months later, we were visiting Ann's uncle in Casper, Wyoming, on a little vacation. And it, her uncle and aunt went off to work, and we had the house to ourselves. And it was early in the morning, or you know, mid mid morning, and we got in a fight in the bedroom. And I got up, and many of you heard me say, "What do I do when we fight?" My old style was I withdraw. I just get up and I left the room. So I started to leave the room because I'm not dealing with this. I don't know how to conflict. I just want to get out of the room. And I'm walking down the hall, and she yells from the bedroom. I'll never forget this. She goes, "Why don't we fight the enemy? Why do we fight each other? You're not my enemy. I'm not your enemy. Let's fight the enemy." What's she doing? She's applying what we learned three or four months ago. Satan's the enemy. Now, I'm walking down the hall, and I hear her say that, and I hate it because I know she's right. I'm like, you know, I hadn't even thought of that. He just hasn't learned that I'm always right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I really was like, darn it. Yeah, you know, you lose perspective. You think she's the enemy, and she's like, she's sort of saying, let's get back in here, and let's talk this thing through. And it was just a reminder in year one, that was 29 years ago for us, year one, that we are in a war. And the battle is not this, it is that. And every day, especially you that came to this weekend and and are here this morning, you're going to walk out of here and you don't know what's going to hit you. And I'm not not saying everything happens, do-do-do-do, it's like some satanic thing going on with little horns running around, but it's deeper than we think. And if we would... understand that we're not fighting each other, but together we can turn and fight the enemy, rebuke him. We've done this many times in our marriage, and then work out what has to be worked out. God is present and will give us power to do it. So the first two points of this message are really encouraging. You're in a war, (laughs) and the second one is this. You will be wounded. (laughs) All right, let's pray and go home. Isn't this great stuff? No, I mean, it's a perspective of this. We are in a war, whether you're married or single or just living life. We're in a war. There is stuff going on that doesn't meet the eye. And secondly, we get hurt in this war. You know, the vast passage that I put down under this point is something that we looked at all weekend with the, with the couples here, and it was uh, Ephesians 5.33. It says, however, each of you should also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And we talked for the last day and a half about what love looks like and what love, respect looks like. Number one, need of a man. Number one, need of a woman. And here's what happens. We tend, I said this yesterday, we tend to sort of develop, we don't even know it, an expectation that we'll walk out of here and he'll be different and she'll be different, and that she'll... You know, she'll start respecting me like I deserve, and he'll start loving me like I deserve, because he heard this, and now he's going to know it. And guess what? You'll get out of here, and maybe it already happened for you couples that were here yesterday. Maybe it happened last night. You're like, whoa, he's not doing it very good. <laughs> you just want to go, hey, do you want to hear that message again? You're not even close. And so what we do is the, op- the other persons, we think, oh, so it's not going to work, and we pull back, and we won't, we think, if he's not going to be different, I'm not either. And so we get hurt, and when you get hurt, you tend to do this. Even within hours of a marriage retreat where you walked out of here maybe going, wow, that was great, that was awesome, but we said over and over and over, it doesn't happen, it doesn't work until what? You put it into practice. And I'm telling you, even as you try, and we try to put it in practice, you get hurt. 
and you disappoint one another. And if you got some room there in your notes, I want, to write, I want you to write down a, a sort of a, a, a pattern or a cycle that I think happens in all relationships. And so you're going to sort of write a word and then draw an arrow because it goes from this to this and sort of write it across horizontally. And the first one is this. Most or all love relationships start with romance. So there's the romantic phase. It's the, the, the infatuation phase where you absolutely fall head over heels in love with that person. And um, some of you know I love music. And if you're here early enough today, you got to, uh, you got to hear the guys do some love songs. And there's, you know, there's all kinds of love songs written about the romantic phase. I mean, we did a couple of them Friday night. I won't do those again for you guys because... You know, you had to endure it. But um, I'll just do one that uh, a lot of you guys know. And actually, you can sing it because it, it became a phone commercial um, that Stevie Wonder did um, that, that is really a song about love. And it's the kind of song you sing when you're in the romantic phase. It's like, I just called to say I love you. You know that song? Your do I need to do something to turn me. this on? What do I need to do? How about the volume button? Does that help? Remember that song? I just call to say I love you. I just call. What's the second line? To say I'm a jockey. Okay, enough of that. But anyway, um, you know, when you think about that, in fact, it should be today. It'd be more like, I just text to say I love you with a smiley face. Uh, uh, I mean, that's, that's true. true. That's what we do now. But when you're in a romantic phase, that's what you do. I mean, you're like so in love. You call several times a day. You text now. You email. You Facebook. All that stuff's going on constantly, right? Why? Feelings are so high. I mean, you are just head over heels in love. And that really is the first phase. And it may start slow, but at some point, <clears throat> the fire gets stirred and you're just, you know, you're just in love. In fact, there was a song... Um, written about that, that's sort of, uh, it's like you're so in love, you can't imagine living without this person. Uh, you guys remember this one? I'm a 70s guy, not 80s, 70s guy. And so uh, this came out in the 70s, it was like, I can't live. No, I'll go up here. I can't live. <laughs> I gotta go lower. If living is without you. you. Remember that song? I can't live. I can't live anymore. And then the guy gets really desperate. Or maybe it's a gal. I don't know. I can't live. Remember that? <laughs> if living is without you, I can't live. I mean, he starts screaming, right? And you listen to this thing. It's like, dude, codependency defined right there. It's like, you know, I can't live without you. That's like... That is the romantic phase. And the reason we're laughing is because that's how head over heels we go. Yes. You know, we sing stupid songs like that and, you know, close to you we did the other night. But anyway, then you move into second phase. And I just used the word red to understand this, R-E-D. The second phase is expectations or maybe excitement's a better word. Because once you fall in love and you start talking about marriage and a future together, you know, and, and, and you know, maybe even kids, you start getting excited, and you get expect expectations. You guys remember this? If you're, if you're newly married now or engaged now, this is where you are. It's like this excitement phase. I thought of uh, Whitney Houston did a song, and I, 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 I <laughs> will always love you. I mean, she had such a great voice. Come on, Dave, you want to come up and sing with me? I mean... Dave, we need him up here. Um, I mean, 
I'm mocking these songs because they're so lame, you know? It's like, but, what, but the, here's the deal. When you're in that phase, what? You absolutely love those songs. Like, honey, I will love you and always. And you don't, you think my life would never our marriage would never be like that video we saw. Exactly. We, we've never come We went to, to that, that conference before our marriage, and we just laughed like, those couples can't do it, but <laughs> we will we're be in awesome. love. It'll be perfect, you know? And then you move into the D. What do you think it is? You don't want to say it out loud because then it's like, you know, busted. But it's disappointment or disillusionment because when... When relationships start to grow and you get married and you start to struggle through it, it gets hard. Mm-hmm. And you really, I don't think there's a couple that hasn't gone through this. You just, you're disappointed. It's like, wow, this is so much different than I thought. You are so much different. And the time scale could be all different. It could be a month. It could be six years. But it, it happens to every relationship. And the next thing we hear is we thought this and we hear from so many people when they hit the disappointment phase is they think... I married the wrong person. <laughs> He's not the right person. She's not the right person for me. And there was a song written about this phase that some of you know. <coughs> and we can't sing, but we're going to anyway. You don't bring me flowers. Very good, honey. You don't sing me love songs. <laughs> You hardly talk to me anymore when you come through that door at the end of the day. I remember when you couldn't wait to love me. You used to hate to leave me. Now, after loving me late at night. (laughs) Well, it's good for you, baby. And you're feeling all right. Just roll over and turn out the light. You don't bring me flowers. You don't let me play golf. (laughs) You don't touch me non sexually. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't, don't give, give me, me love anymore. <laughs> 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 oh, we should just pray now and go home. Yeah, that's just the way to end the day. Um, I mean, that's just the stupidest. I mean, but you know, that song, Neil and Barbara, number one hit in the 70s. Why? Because it's reality. So many couples go, oh my gosh, he used to bring me flowers. He used to sing me love. He used to, and now they're disappointed and disillusioned. They really are. And it's really, really interesting what couples do at this point. It's really, the word isn't red, it's redo, because there's an O, and it's a fork in the road. You either O over, you say it's over, and you leave, or you either O overcome, and you figure out, how do we make this relationship work? A relationship where there was romance, and there was excitement, but now I'm feeling disappointed and disillusioned. How do I stay in it and make it, how do we overcome? 
How do we do it? It's a major question. In fact, it happens in every single relationship. Let me find out if you saw this recently on TV. Every TV relationship <laughs> goes through this. Did anybody watch uh, Monday night, Tuesday night? Okay, we just so you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Bachelor. Anybody watch that? All right. Look at all the people like 20s. Nobody wants to put their hand up. but We we, don't watch it either. We don't either. But (laughs) I'm not kidding. Monday night, we had nothing to do. We flipped on TV and it's the finale, right? Our our son is home from college and his girlfriend's like, oh my gosh, the the finale's on of The Bachelor. And so we see the end of the show where the guy, what's his name? Yeah, see, you watch it. Jason Uh (laughs) (laughs) is down to two girls. He's going to give one the rose. Uh, who are they? Molly? Molly and... Who cares? Whatever. Two girls. Melissa. And, yeah. I mean, it, it was classic romance, excitement, disappointment. He picks Molly, I think. No, Melissa. He picks Melissa. I knew that. Um, and six weeks later, they visit back, and he has dumped her. And he said he made a mistake. Made a mistake, and now he, he wants to pick the girl Molly. he should have picked. And now I think he's with her. And I thought, that is exactly... The romance on that show is unbelievable. Excitement's unbelievable. They go off and try and do it in real life, and they end up disappointed, and then they have to start over. In fact, Amy's going to show you. We, have, uh, we, we are selling to you guys, if you want it, this DVD, and on it, that drama's on it, but there's a, a thing that Ann did in one of our messages back at Kensington that really sort of epitomized what happened in our relationship as she became disappointed with me and how it felt to me as, I, as it felt like disrespect. And I thought we'd show it to you guys because it's a, it's a good illustration of what happens in reality when, we're, when we realize in our war and we don't realize we're going to get wounded. It sort of looks and feels sometimes like this. It's almost as we grow up as little girls and then we get older and we try to find the perfect man. And these plants, we'll say today, are men. And so we go into the market of single men and we're like, oh yeah, this one looks pretty good. He's really nice. No, and no, no, that one's a little taller. Oh. Yeah, take that one. This one right here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and this one has lots of hair. <laughs> yeah, this looks good. <laughs> Just kidding, honey. Just that was kidding. me years ago. There you go. <laughs> I'm sure that he'll be awesome. And so we say, you are the man. This is why, yes, yay, yeah, you, you, I choose you. There's nobody better than you. You are the man. And then we get married. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, what's that? Well, it's, it's a little brown leaf. Well, honey, let me help you with that. I don't think you realize that you used to be a great communicator when we were dating. Well, now you're really not such a great communicator anymore, so you need to start talking more and communicating. Here, you need to pick, oh, ooh, what's that? Oh, that's another one. Oh, I know what that is. What happened to the romantic days when we used to, when we used to whine and dine and have these great romantic evenings? You're just like this clod now, and all you want to do is have sex, so what's that? And we get rid of that. <laughs> and then we think, well, well, look at this plant. There's all kinds of flaws. This isn't even helping. I need to get something else to help myself. (laughs) This will do the trick. And so we start thinking, honey, you really need some help. And I'm the one to help you because you're not romantic. You don't communicate. You never pray. You don't lead. You're quiet. You, you, You never give me what I need. And I'm so tired of it. And come on, meet my needs. And then we're done. Look at the men. And we're done. And you know what we do? We say, why can't you be more like him? (laughs) Steve Andrews. (laughs) Steve Andrews, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you know what? What happens is, is what we're doing is we think we're helping. Um, Steve Andrews is our lead pastor at Kensington, so we're ripping <laughs> on him a little bit. Um, but isn't that what happens? That is sort of a, just one view of a picture of being wounded. Anne has been and will continue to be, because I'll continue to do it, disappointed in me. I can't believe it, but it's true. And, 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 and that is reality in every relationship. And we're just saying this. You're in a war. There's more going on than you think. You will be wounded. There'll be things like, oh, that hurt. So and, how do you win? How do you get victory? And we automatically think it's their problem. If they would fix these things, I could be happy. And we suddenly stop looking at ourselves or what we can do to be better. And we think the problem is him or her. And the amazing thing. And this is the final truth. The way to win in this war, the way to win in relationships, the way to live in life, and it's a, it's a paradox because it's flipped upside down of what we think and what we've been taught our whole life. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, what? Lose it. If you want to be first, be last. It makes no sense. Why, 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 why? You want to be a leader? Serve. You want to win? Lose. So here's what the last point is. Victory comes through surrender. Victory in this life, victory in your relationship comes through a surrender to Christ or God and his agenda and his plan and saying, I'm going to submit my agenda under his agenda. I'm going to surrender my will to his will. I'm going to lose my life to find life. I'm going to serve my wife rather than just demand and dictate over her. And through surrender, through submission, you find life. It really, as you put it on paper, makes no sense. But I'm just one, and Anne's just one couple say, we've found this is where life is. You surrender to the will of God. We started our marriage, our honeymoon night, at the foot of our bed, we got on our knees and surrendered. We literally surrendered our relationship, surrendered our marriage, surrendered our bedroom, the whole thing, and said, we're starting this thing on our knees. And we wanted our posture to say, we surrender to you, God. And we thought, okay, we'll surrender, and we'll just go, and we'll love each other. And then we go into marriage, like, wow, this is really hard. And we found out it isn't one time of surrender. It's a daily, almost hourly, almost every minute re-surrender that when I'm hurt or when I'm disappointed, it's like, God, would you meet my needs? Because... Obviously, she can't, and I can't meet hers. And that's the problem with most couples. They go into marriage or go into relationships thinking, she will make me happy. He will make me happy. And obviously, part of that is true. But the real reality is I have a need in my life, sort of a hole in my soul that she could never fill. And same with her. And only God can fill that hole. I don't know if you've ever studied history or studied quotes, but there's a guy, a physicist named Blaise Pascal. And a very wise man, a follower of Christ, and he said it this way, he said, within the heart of every single person is a God-shaped vacuum that cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by the creator himself made known through Jesus Christ. Powerful truth. He was saying, you've got a vacuum, she's got a vacuum, it's put there by God, and no creator, can, no creation can fill it. A marriage person can't, and can't, I can't. We try to do that, and then we think the problem is marriage. The problem isn't marriage, the problem isn't relationship, the problem isn't reality of life. The problem is we're trying to meet that need in the wrong way. God is the only one that can fill that void. And Anne's unbelievable woman, I am so in love with her. She is amazing, but she is not a good God. <laughs> 
She can't meet that need, and I can't meet her needs. And if we keep trying to get that from one another, it's like we're leeching off one another, and then it's like, oh, what is wrong with this marriage? What is wrong with you? And the reality is there's nothing wrong with us except we're both broken, both needy. We can only get that through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when he fills that void, then we can turn to our spouse and become a giver rather than just a taker. So we end today by saying this. With no apologies, surrender. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Surrender your marriage, your relationships. Surrender your future relationships to Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, he will never, ever disappoint you. Now, I'm not saying, hey, we're followers of Christ and we walk around every day going, I'm happy, happy in Jesus. I got the joy, joy, joy. I mean, it isn't this fake deal. It's still hard. And there's still dark days, very dark days. And we still have conflicts. Because she's wrong most of the time. But it's, um, I'm just kidding. But you know what I'm saying? It's, it's real life. But at the same time, there's a truth that's so much bigger and deeper. And it's, it's victory through surrender. And the reason that I feel like we've been able to do that is because we've discovered how much God, through Jesus, loves us. Hmm. And I think when you understand his love for you, that he has a plan for you, that his plan is good, it may be hard... But that's when you're able to surrender because you know that he loves you. He has a plan, and he adores you and wants you to, to really experience his best. You know, when, uh, uh, when Anne was pregnant with our third son, Cody, um, she, she was in bed rest for about four months, and I took Austin, who was probably three years old at that time, right? Yeah. He had to be. Uh, to the grocery store to get groceries. I was doing everything that Ann couldn't do. And what a life you moms live. It's unstinking, believe how hard it is. So, uh, and I such appreciation. So I'm, I'm going through the checkout line. You know, Austin's in, a, in the little uh, shopping cart. And as we get all stuff and I get ready to head to the parking lot, Austin, three-year-old soul, says, hey, dad, dad, I want, I want to push the cart to the car. I'm like, okay. So I take him out, you know, and I put him down like this. <laughs> and the cart is loaded you know, full, really heavy. And he can't even reach. Yeah, I mean, he literally went like this and the bar's right up there. And he's like, so I pick him up, you know, and I hold him right here and he puts his hands on there and he goes, and he can't move it because it's loaded. So I put my hand here and, you know, we push the car to the car. And the funny thing is we get to the car, open the trunk and he goes, I did it, I did it. I pushed the car to the car. You know, and it's one of those moments, you know, I'm standing in the parking lot. This doesn't happen to me all the time, but I had this this spiritual insight because I looked down at him and here's what I'm thinking. Yeah, right, dude. You didn't push anything. I pushed the <laughs> cart to the car. I mean, but he doesn't even know that, but I know it because I'm the adult, right? And so it hit me right there. It's like, oh my gosh, this is a picture of the Christian walk. We say to God something like, God, I want to I I forgive my spouse. Or I want to have a marriage that we talked about this weekend where I love her and she respects her. Or, or I want to, you know, whatever it is, I want to... I it could be anything. I, I want to break free from the past. And it's almost as if we think, okay, if I just really work hard at this, here we go. We can do it. And the whole time what we don't realize is God goes, okay, watch this. I got you right here. He puts his, his arm, his strength on this task, and he goes, let's go. And the amazing thing about God, I love this about him, is when we go, I did it, I did it, he smiles and goes, yeah, you did it. And the whole time he's got to be thinking, dude, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> but, but, but I want to end with this. Well, here, here's the most important thing, though. Go ahead. Cut me off, the honey. The best thing that Austin <laughs> did was he rested in Dave's arms. Yep. 
And that's the thing that God is wanting us to do, is just to rest in his arms and allow him to work through us to accomplish what he wants to do. And that's what surrender sometimes just looks like. Trust him, rest in him, seek and allow him to empower you, and then let him do it. Don't get in the way. Let him do it any way he wants to do. That's surrender. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for couples, for singles, for remarrieds, for divorced. Everyone sitting here faces what we all face, the realities and the, and the, and the tough aspects of life. And Lord, I pray that you, through your Holy Spirit, would remind us, even as we leave later today, that we are in a war that we can't even see, that we will be hurt. That's part of life. You said that in this world you will have trouble, but you have overcome the world. So you can give us power through a simple thing, yet very hard to do as we surrender to you and your will. You can empower us to live the life you called us to live. Lord, I pray for marriages. I pray for singles. I pray that you would transform us right here, right now today, and that we would choose in this moment, even as we end the service, that in these songs, you would allow us to choose to surrender, to trust, to rest solely on you and your power. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.